recording a podcast. I have no idea if it'll pick up on our voices, uh, but we can record it and see. It looks like it is. This means you're editing. Um, okay, I, we, can, we can do that. I'm just going to upload it. Okay. Uh, That's fine. So, hello and welcome back. <laughs> I get to do this time, this time. Uh, welcome to the Arch Sports Podcast. We are driving to Chicago to pick up a friend, uh, and we haven't recorded in a while because I have been in finals. This is Jerry doing the intro because it's my phone we're recording on. So, Jerry gets to But I'm here one. with my co-host Spencer. Spencer say hello. Hello and we have a, a, we have guest, a guest host, guest host in the back seat who probably won't say anything because I don't think he even realized we started recording. Uh, Mel say hi. Hey what's up. Uh, so anyways a um, couple big news items we're going to uh, get to right away. First the Cardinals trade for Ozuna after getting shot down by Giancarlo and they trade away Steven Piscotti to the Athletics. Uh, the Ozuna trade included prospects Magnera Sierra uh, Sandy Alcantara, uh, Zach Gallen, and I want to say Daniel Castano, I'm pretty sure. And then for Piscotti, they went to the Athletics. We got back uh, Munoz, Munoz and uh, Max Schrock, who are two infielders. Uh, so I want to get your thoughts on those two trades, Vince. Um, well, first of all, uh, it would have been nice to pull off the Mike Stanton trade. Giancarlo. Um I'm going to take a page out of Bill Simmons' book and call him Mike for this one. Um, so so you are still salty that he went to New York just like Bill Simmons is because he's a Red Sox homer and he can't get over anything Yankees. Well, I mean, you know, when the evil empire plants one of their all-time greats in another organization, trades the reigning ML MVP to them for basically scraps, uh, then... Uh, then yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a little salty. Two hundred sixty so, million dollars is not scraps. Um, con- considering what other offers were on the table, and I understand that he couldn't, the Marlins didn't really have m- much say in the matter. They could only negotiate the deals. They couldn't they couldn't make Giancarlo Mike move. Um, but you still have to think that Jeter could have maybe worked a little bit harder to get at least one of their top five prospects, one top 100 prospect. Um, I mean, personally, I think he probably could have gotten more out of the Cardinals for Ozuna. Between their, probably their two best players, they got zero top 100 prospects from both the Cardinals and the Yankees. So either it was a ploy by Jeter or he's just really, really shitty at his job. Yeah, I think it's more that he's really bad at his job. The the, the Stanton trade screamed to me uh, as a team that has a new executives and all of a sudden their star player rejected the two trades that had lined up and they kind of panicked and made a trade. Uh, I think it's actually a really similar trade to the A-Rod trade. Uh, A-Rod was traded from the Rangers to the Yankees for Soriano, a couple prospects, and cash. Um... Stanton was traded to the Yankees for Castro, who's an all-star second baseman, just like Soriano was at the time. Uh, two prospects in cash. So it's a very similar trade uh, with, with similar uh, motivations. I do like the package that the Yankees got from the Cardinals for uh, for Azuna. I'm fine giving it away as a Cardinals fan. I'm not high on Sierra. Uh, I don't think he has the hit tool to really become a MLB outfielder, or at least top, a starting one. I think he could be a number four guy with his defense and his speed but I don't think he's going to be a starter. Alcantara has a, a live arm, and he throws triple digits. He has some great uh, breaking pitches. 
but scouts are split on if he's a starter or reliever. And if you're the Marlins and you see him as a starter and you think that's his potential, he has stuff that can make him a top-line starter. But he also walks a lot of guys and has struggled being a starter. And even, but even if he doesn't become a starter, he's a great bullpen guy. I think Zach Gallen, Gallen might end up being the best player out of these out of the trade, um, not including Ozuna, the best prospect the Cardinals give away. And Castano's a guy I don't know much about, but from what I've read, he's one of those guys that has potential. Uh, he was slated as a breakout candidate by a couple of the big prospect guys on Twitter. So, I mean, it's not a terrible package coming from the Cardinals for Ozuna. Uh, but, I, I mean, it just seems like it's a guy who's in his first year and his priority is cutting salary rather than making great trades, especially once Stanton limited it. Well, so, I mean, walking it back to your original question, the the two trades the Cardinals have made, no hot takes for me, kind of general consensus is the Ozuna trade was a good trade for the Cardinals. We had a ton of depth in terms of pitching prospects and outfield prospects, and that's what we moved. Um, and we and the Piscotti trade was actually, I think, maybe the better of the two trades because you got out of a guy that really struggled last year and um, was in and out of the lineup with injury and uh, down play. Um, you got two solid prospects from the athletics um, to fill in what you just sent to Miami. Um, so really you come out losing two prospects and you've upgraded your outfield significantly. Uh, you've solidified your three outfield positions. There's not really going to be any playtime question, questions, uh, barring something surprising. But um, but I'm I'm excited, and hopefully this this is not the end. Uh, the other thing that uh, I want to bring up that we did, and I'll throw this back to you, but uh, we had a, the Gregerson signing, um, and we were unable to sign Juan Nicasio, who was one of our. Uh, free agent targets this offseason. So, yeah, on that. I mean, uh, the Gregerson signing I'm fine with. He's actually a former Cardinal, which is kind of neat. Uh, I like him. He wanted to go to law school back when he before he before he got drafted. For those that you that don't know, Jerry is in law school. It's true. Yeah, so it's kind of fun uh, that you know we have another future lawyer on the team. Uh, I'm trying to work that connection as hard as I can now. Um, no, but I, I mean, Nicasio ended up going to the Mariners for two years, seventeen million dollars, and that's I mean that's more than, for example, Pat Neshek got, and I think Neshek's a better reliever than Nicasio. So, I mean, am I disappointed we didn't get Nicasio? Sure. Is it the end of the world to me? No. Uh, especially if some of the other trades that have been rumored to happen, that the Cardinals have been rumored to be interested in, happen. So, uh, the big one is with Tampa Bay. The names mentioned are Chris Archer, uh, Evan Longoria, and pertinent to the reliever discussion, Alex Colomb, who was a very good closer for them. Uh, and then with the other trade that's been bandied around involves Manny Machado and potentially Zach Britton, which again, that's another great closer uh, and out of the AL East. Uh, either of those trades I'd be happy with. Uh, to, to go back to the Piscotti trade, uh, I'm very happy with that one. Max Schrock is the second baseman that we got, and he's 5'8", but he has a surprising amount of power for a 5'8", second baseman. Um, and Munez, he, he played shortstop primarily, but then played second base and third base last year. And those are some of the places where the Cardinals have a little bit less depth uh, compared to the outfield. Especially after trading away Alenis Diaz. Yeah. And so, with regard to the, with the two trades together, you, you replaced Piscotti with Ozuna at the cost of 
two prospects. Um, Munoz and Schrock probably, or however you pronounce his name, it's M-U-N-O-Z. Uh, but Munoz, Munoz, I don't know, and Schrock are probably lesser prospects than uh, Alcantara at least. Um, and depending on how you feel about Sierra, he might be considered a better prospect than them as well. But they're two guys who should who have the ability to make an impact in the majors someday, and I like that. And most importantly with that trade, I like the idea that Piscotti is going back to Oakland. For those of you who don't know, his mother was diagnosed last year with ALS, and that was said to weigh on him heavily, and that might contribute to some of his poor play, which I think his poor play was a little overblown. Um, he had a very similar OBP in 2017 as he had in 2016, and his walk rate had gone up, his strikeout rate had gone down, uh, his power had dropped a little bit, but he also had very bad luck with balls, uh, with BABIP, uh, batting average on balls in play, and that's something that I think will even out, and I think that with the weight off his shoulders, so to speak, about his, being around his mother, uh, he'll have a good year for Oakland. So I think that's kind of a win-win trade, even if I'm happy the Cardinals made it, because I don't think Piscotti was going to be getting a ton of playing time in St. Louis, and he should be getting more in Oakland. So yeah, with the outfield situation, you're going to have Ozuna in left, Pham in center, Fowler in right. Uh, looking at the potential lineup, you have, I think you have Fowler and Carpenter batting 1-2. I don't know what order necessarily is going to be in. Uh, I think both want to hit leadoff, but I think that it, it depends. I think I'd rather have Carpenter hit leadoff I, just because he feels comfortable there. I think that it's tough. Based on what we've seen, it's tough to move Carpenter out of the leadoff spot because we've tried this experiment in the past, and for whatever reason, maybe he's got one of those like closers mentality type things where you can only be in a certain position and you're comfortable in that position and you succeed in that position. If you take yourself out of that spot, it messes with your routines, it messes with your head. Pro athletes are very uh, particular people when it comes, some pro athletes are very particular people when it comes to their routines and their habits and when you change something up on them, uh, it can change up those routines and those habits. So maybe it's just one of those things where that's where Carpenter can hit and he feels comfortable being the first guy up and um, Fowler has shown that he can be a three-hole hitter so maybe he'll hit two maybe he'll hit three um, I doubt he's gonna hit four I would imagine Ozuna's probably four yeah uh, I think I think you have Fowler Carpenter one two uh, and then Pham his third and then Ozuna fourth and then DeYoung fifth well so based on current sabermetric data Supposedly, you're supposed to have your best hitters batting first, second, and fourth. So if Pham is one of your top three hitters, wouldn't you want to rather him bat second and Fowler bat third? Uh, maybe. I mean, I think it. Dep- I think having two guy, a guy like Carpenter at the one spot with a, someone who sees a ton of pitches, uh, who has a good on base percentage. He's not your traditional leadoff guy, and since he doesn't have the speed that you kind of associate with leadoff, where someone like Fowler or even Pham um, does. But I think that it's, that that Carpenter is going to get on base a fair amount of time and see a lot of pitches, and I'd like Pham to be up there. I think you can also play around a little bit with left-right matchups. I would have to look at everyone and see how that works and their splits uh, just to to play, down the, to play in the later innings um, and kind of go through some bullpen guys. But, I mean... A lot of it also depends on how they look in spring training. I don't want to try to diagnose a batting order yet. Um, but what I'm trying to get at is that the, the the starting lineup of the Cardinals seems pretty set right now, barring a trade. I think if you're going to look for a guy 
third base is probably where you're going to try to find a guy. Um, you could also look for a first baseman still and move Carpenter around a bit. Uh, you could also add a shortstop and move DeYoung to third. Right. Um, which but, is what the, the talk with Machado was if he wants to play shortstop again. Um, so having a, acquiring him, hoping that he will stay with you, um, moving him to short shows a willingness to kind of give the star what he wants, especially because he's a plus defender at shortstop, so it's not like you're really hurting your team. And then you can move DeYoung to third, where he actually might be better off as a defender. He's got a good arm, uh, but he's a little slower than Machado, and uh, his hands aren't quite as good. Yeah, he was drafted as a third baseman. He's also played second, DeYoung has. Uh, he's shown the ability to be a good defender, not great, but good defender at all three of those positions. So you can kind of have a little bit of flexibility with him. And in doing that, you move Jerko to kind of a super utility guy, almost like a Ben Zobrist in uh, Chicago or Tampa before that, where he can play short, third, second, probably a corner outfield position. I'm sure he could play first if you needed him to. Um, so you kind of move him around and get him at bat still. Because he's still one of your better bats, or at least he has been over the last two years, even in limited at bats. And something I saw recently said that, that was, was an idea that some guys work better without getting 600 at bat. Some guys are better with 450 or 400 just because they they have that chance to refresh or whatever it is. And I think Jerko might be one of those guys. You saw that when he was a full-time starter in San Diego, he had some of his worst years. And when he became a, a utility guy in St. Louis, he had a, a really nice car just went by, or a nice old car went by. Not really nice. It was less nice than I thought it was, so never mind. But when he became this like kind of backup utility role guy, he had, he's had some great years with the Cardinals, so maybe if you can get him into a role where he's playing a fair number of games, but not a starter and get the best out of him, that might be that might be, be the best. Uh, the other Cardinals move that they made is they signed the Lizard King, uh, Miles Mikolas. Uh, he's a guy who pitched in the majors for a little bit, and they went to Japan and had three very, very good years in Japan, and is now coming back. Um, he's a starting pitcher. He's said to be locked into the starting spot. Uh, that's not plugged in. I know. I'm going to plug it in. Um, he had to be locked into a starting role. Um, so he's he's a guy. So right now you're starting five. Looks like you're going to have Martinez, Waka, uh, Wainwright, Mikolas, and then Weaver. And then you also have Reyes, possibly, although he's been talked about as a reliever. Uh, Flaherty. Uh, Hudson. Hudson. Um, and John Gant. John Gant uh, and uh, Tyler Lyons has also been mentioned by Mosaic as someone who's going to be looked at as a starter, at least going into spring training. I imagine with the, where the bullpen is now, Lyons will stay in the bullpen, although a lot of moves still are left to be made. Uh, one of the things that I would like the Cardinals to do is look to trade Gritchuk for a lever. Um, or if, if you add a Cologne or, or Britain, that's another type of arm that you are adding to the bullpen if those trades happen. Well, and you still have a ton of... I mean, we've relieved the outfield depth a little bit by getting rid of Sierra. Um, you added an outfielder in Ozuna, but you also have... You traded Piscotti, too. So you, you, you traded two away you, and gotten one back. You, you've eliminated the depth by one, but you still have Jose Martinez, uh, Randall Gritchick, and then you have three guys in the minor leagues who are either ready or about ready to come up in Harrison Bader, um, Oscar Mercado, and Tyler O'Neill. So it's going to be interesting to see. They have the pieces to make another big move. I think the Orioles would be a perfect 
trade partner, um, especially if they're willing to move on from Machado in Britain. Uh, they can kind of do a little retool um, slash rebuild um, and take some of the the youth out of our farm system and um, have a home for them. So, I mean, if you think about what their lineup, it's Adam Jones, who's in his 30s, Mark Trumbo, who's in his 30s. Uh, I don't even know who plays left field for them, which probably means that they have a hole at left yeah, field. Yeah, really, really, my, my thoughts with, with the Orioles is right now, if I were them, I would trade away a ton of people and kind of commit to the rebuild. They've kind of been steering into that direction in terms of their team, uh, and they haven't really been able to get back to the playoffs ever since the infamous Zach Britton didn't play uh, or didn't pitch two years ago game, wild card game. Um, but the thing is, they're kind of in a weird spot because you think about that lineup, it's a very potent lineup with a lot of power in a very hitter-friendly ballpark, but... The only thing that they're lacking is starting pitching. They've got a great bullpen. They've got a great lineup. Um, and they have a few starters that can can get after it, but they need, you know, that next step. Dylan Bundy uh, finally had a decent year. It wasn't a great year, but he put together a sub-4 ERA. Um, and he's someone you can see getting better once he starts actually being healthy enough to pitch a full year. He kind of had a cup of tea in the majors like three or four years ago, and he just was a total shit. And I mean, Dylan Bundy was one of those top prospect guys that never panned out, which so was Jake Arrieta for them, and he, we saw what he turned out to be. Uh, maybe he'll go back. I thought it was really funny. Scott Boris did a very Scott Boris thing with Jake Arrieta. So is asking for $200 million. He sent a 75-page binder on Jake Arrieta to every team in the majors and said, this is who he is, this is what we want. Basically, in Scott Boris fashion, you're going to sign him for this or we're not going to sign for you. He, ah, Scott Boris is something else. He's basically what has created the market for a guy like Machado next offseason to potentially get $40 million a year. Yeah, and Harper too. I mean, next offseason there's two marquee young names that are going to be free agents. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see where they go. Especially, when, I mean... A lot of people are talking about Harper to the Yankees, and now Stanton fills that hole where he would play. Although they still, I mean, they could still move an outfielder they, or a DH guy. I mean, they they have they print money. They can do whatever they want, and it's rumored that the Yankees are in for Machado as well, but the Orioles don't want to move it to a division rival. Right, and um, I mean, they, they have a hole at third base after they traded Headley now, so. So, but the, the, I guess the White Sox have decided that that could be their opportunity to trade for Machado from the Orioles and then flip him back to the Yankees. So it's going to be interesting to see. Winter meetings are always kind of when the offseason gets actually kicked off, unlike most other pro sports where it's kind of as soon as free agency starts, it things hit the ground running. Baseball is a little slower moving, so we're we're finally getting some, getting some decent traction. Yeah, I do I do think the Cardinals will have at least one more trade in them. I don't know if it's a big one, but I mean all three AL East teams are looking to that, that are the Yankees and Red Sox are looking to trade their potentially looking to trade their third baseman, Machado, Longoria, and Josh Donaldson of the Blue Jays, who we haven't even talked about, even though that was a name that popped up in connection with the Cardinals throughout uh, the early offseason uh, or even late postseason when looking at it. Uh, so so far, I give the offseason a, a, a probably like a B, B-plus grade for Mosaic thus far. 
it stung not getting Stanton, especially because the comments he made made it sound like the Cardinals uh, have lost a bit of their luster as a winning team. I think the organization still has a strong cash in, sense of, in the sense of being a winning program historically and, and kind of going that way still. Uh, and I think Stanton did speak to that a little bit. He said he wanted to go right now. I don't think it's hard to say that the Yankees are maybe a step above the Cardinals right right now. Well, and he had the list of four teams, and they were the four CS championship series teams from the previous year. It was the Astros, Dodgers, Yankees, and Cubs. So it's hard to get more win now than the four yeah. top teams from the previous so you year. You can see where his mind's at. Uh, I mean, he's 28, going on 29. He's not getting any younger. It's not like he's not going to... It's not like he's going to get worse anytime soon, supposedly. But, um, you know, you gotta you got to respect a guy for negotiating a strong contract that gave him control of where he would end up. Um, so it was either going to be Miami or a team that he wanted to go to. And for this these purposes, Jeter was so dang desperate to trade him that he got to go to a team he wanted to go to. And so now they're probably the prohibitive, you know, once they figure out they're starting pitching, they're probably the prohibitive... World Series favorite just because they can out hit any team that they come up against and they have two absolute game changers at the heart of their lineup. So it's it'll be an interesting year. We'll we'll be a little better about podcasting now that um Jerry's schedule is a little lighter. Um we're gonna try and bring on a few guest hosts just to liven it up a little bit. Uh our current guest host is um you see how much he's added to the conversation yeah. thus far. So, Malaku, I want to get your thoughts about uh, Mike Stanton getting traded to the Yankees. It's good. All right. That's, All right. <laughs> there's our guest host, Malaku. Uh, so now, changing gears a little bit, let's look at um, another St. Louis team. Uh, the Blues are the one of the... Billikens. Yeah, the Billikens. They actually have had a decent year thus far. Uh, we're not going to talk about them yet, but... We'll get to them eventually at some point in one of these podcasts. But the Blues are one of the best teams in the NHL. Um, sitting on 44 points. Uh, but the bad news is that Jaden Schwartz has just gone out for about six weeks. Uh, Petrangelo's is day-to-day. Bo Meester's day-to-day. So, actually, Petrangelo is on the IR. He's on the IR, but he's coming, they're expecting him back this upcoming weekend. Um, so, it was a short IR stint. Um so basically, with the injury bug that hit us at the beginning of the year has come back, um, is now impervious to antibiotics, yeah, and uh, has hit us again. Um, and this time, it's a little a little tougher to uh, to get rid of because that's, um, I mean, Bo Meester again, and then probably two of your top three players have gone are yeah. going down. I, I think I mean Petrangelo should be back soon. It was a short term thing. Bo Meester missed a game, and I don't know if it's going to be any more. Um, the good thing is the Blues have the depth to kind of weather this storm. I mean, they lost on Tuesday, but that was to the NHL's best team, Tampa Bay. So you can't really be too upset about that loss. And that loss, I mean, it was 1-0 going into the third period, if I recall correctly. Uh, Pareko and Edmondson looked very good together. And, and the third goal was an empty netter, so you can't be you know too upset about that. Uh, Pareko and Edmondson looked very good and capable of handling those top pairing minutes. Uh, they're not going to get them once Bowie or Petrangelo comes back, but the fact that your second pair has, shows the ability to be a first pair is nice. Uh, Schmaltz actually looks pretty good in my in my opinion, and he should get a couple more games I think while Petrangelo's down. And then 
Um, on the left side, you still have you have I mean, you have four guys: Dunn, Gunnarsson, uh, Edmondson, and Bomeister, who all belong in the NHL clearly. Yeah. And then you have a fifth guy, Wallman, who's your top prospect, as well as Chris Butler. So you have the depth to kind of weather this defensively. Offensively, there's a little bit less depth. A little bit. Uh, and that's kind of where your your problem is. But we'll see what happens with Schwartz going down. I mean, he was having a fantastic year, especially in combination with Braden Shin, who's looked like uh, an elite center uh, thus far in the year. And they were 1-2 in plus-minus in the NHL, for example. We just hit traffic outside of Springfield, Illinois, and now we're a little uh, frustrated. So you're going to get Spencer's real thoughts on the Blues right now. I mean, get ready for some F-bombs. Uh, let me check this map here. What the fuck is going on? There's the first one. Yeah, we have Malaco keeping score in the back. Um, so while we're talking about hockey, and because Spencer's already frustrated, I'm going to point out that I am leading our uh, fantasy hockey league by, I think, like 17 points Roto Roto style. Uh, fantasy hockey's stupid. Yeah, Malaku's in it too, and he's getting his ass. I think you last? Or second to last? Second to last? And uh, Spencer, you just dropped out a second, didn't you? You're down to like third or fourth? I've been third for a while. There it is. Uh, I've been first for a long time, uh, and handily. Um well, it looks like it clears up in a second. And Spencer and I are also, uh, speaking of fantasy sports, we're also matched up in one of our fantasy football leagues this week uh, after his, his starting quarterback went down with a torn ACL. Um, you know, so for most teams, that might be an issue, but not Justin Top, Jerry Bottom. Justin uh, Top, Jerry Bottom? Yeah. Russell Wilson has, is your quarterback. Is, is backed up. Carson Wentz going down, that's heartbreaking. But when you have Russell Wilson to come in against an L.A. Rams secondary who's not great, not terrible, not great. Um, I'm feeling pretty confident. Just picked up uh, the sexiest man in football, Jimmy Garoppolo, off the waiver wire. Um, so we're feeling good. Um, you know, Justin Top, Jerry Bottom uh, was the defending champion from last year. We're the number one seed in the playoffs once again this year. Which is, this is amazing Ooh, that Spencer somehow that. is saying that. Because in our other fantasy league, he's, what are you, the, the, the eighth best team? Sixth best? Um, and I was top four, so, you know, it's just one of those things where. I'm, I'm just saying, you know, new league, new rules, uh, different things happen. But this league, been consistent, number one overall seed, twice in a row, gonna be the league champion, twice in a row. Um, and we'll uh, we'll circle back next week when I'm in the finals. All right. So going back to the Blues, uh, any do you have any thoughts on the Blues right now? Besides, you know, it sucks that everyone's getting hurt. Um, I mean the the one thing that you can really point out, other than the injuries, is uh, the special teams um, are starting to come along just a little bit. Um, still a little bit get bit concerned about the penalty kill. The power play has been a bit better. Um, that that's helped. Um, that's or that's going to be hurt. In the near future, with Schwartz being out, um, being that he's uh, one of your top power play guys, um, and Petrangelo as well, although that, as we said, has been short, is going to be short term. Um, you know, there's not a lot to complain about with this team. They hit a little bit of a rough stretch uh, this month, which was to be expected after just coming out of the gates on fire. Uh, we're still one of the top teams in the West, um, and. Uh, it's kind of come together. So. Yeah, I'm just trying not to try not to hit any cars right now. And um, oh, I wonder what he did. Um, yeah, that's. I mean, um, I've really liked what the Blues have put together. I think with a with a fully healthy roster, uh, we can really make some noise come playoff time. Because 
I think we've been a little spoiled the last few years as as Blues fans. Um, we've been able able to overlook the regular season a little bit, with the exception of last year, um, and kind of say, what what are you going to do for me in the playoffs? Because if you're not going to perform in the playoffs, then it's a lost season because this this core is hitting their stride. Um, they're all entering their primes, and you know, I'm ready to make a, a Stanley Cup run. So, for me, that's it's premature, but that's where uh, that's where I'm looking is can this where will this team be positioned when it's playoff time? Yeah, I mean, the, the like Sir said, the core is starting to hit its prime, which is why it's a little disappointing to see a couple of them go down right now. They'll both be back in time for the playoffs, Petrangelo and Schwartz it is. Uh, and you still have a bunch of young guys. I and mean, I really like the blue system, too. Uh, Thompson and Thomas and, and Kairou and Waltman are some great prospects. You have the depth to kind of go make some trades if you want to, uh, to try to bolster the playoff run. Or you can stay pat and kind of go forward with the team and, and use some of those young guys to replace. So I think the Blues are set up for both short-term success and long-term success, which is nice to see. Uh, so that's that's going that's going well. Another team that's we talk about a lot that's going well is Mizzou basketball. They're eight and two. They play uh, Stephen F. Austin upcoming. I think they play North Florida too. So those are a couple teams where you expect two more wins. So that you're expecting Mizzou to be ten and two after these next couple games. Uh, their losses are to Utah, which is a pretty bad blowout loss uh, on the road to a good team, team that you expect to make the tournament. And to West Virginia, which was a very close loss to probably a top 35 team, uh, where Mizzou ha- was in it until the very end. I mean, it was it was they were leading until the very end. Uh, I mean, Mizzou basketball has pretty much been chalked to this point. Um, you had a, a good road win against UCF. You had a good win against St. John's in the Thanksgiving tournament. Uh, you lost to Utah, which maybe you should have beaten, but it's a tough place to play. First Power Five game on the road. You know, ex- my expectations were low. I thought we were going to lose. Um, and then you lose to a really solid West Virginia team that I would give top 15. Um, they were preseason ranked number eight, seven or eight. They got blown out by Texas A&M to start the season, but that's their only loss. Um, and from what we've seen, Texas A&M is a lot better team than people gave them credit for to start the season. They're probably the top team in the SEC right now. That might change once Kentucky kind of figures it all out. But um, right now, they're the top team in the SEC. And um, so West Virginia was a one-point loss, uh, a bu- of real fucking bummer of a loss, but a one-point loss nonetheless. And, uh, and Utah is, is, the, is the, the blemish on the schedule, but, um, you know, it's, it's really looking forward to bragging rights. And, which I expect us to win, and then SEC play. Yeah, I mean, I think that that uh, you have a good win with the UCF game. That was a true road game against a team that's a bubble team, and who beat Alabama, for example. Um, the Utah loss and West Virginia loss are two losses you can kind of circle in non-conference before the season started. Um, have you told me that those two losses were going to happen without Michael Porter Jr. especially? I would not have been surprised at all. Uh, especially being as close as it was to West Virginia. I, I don't think you can be a little disappointed in the Utah game in that Mizzou lost by so much, but part of that's just an early, a young team that hadn't really come together completely yet uh, and a tough road game against I, a good team. J- just so everyone knows, traffic has subsided. I'm feeling good again. <laughs> um, 
But uh, I think it's nice to see that Michael Porter Jr.'s absence hasn't hurt the team that much. Going into the season, you you wanted them. Your goal, realistically, was to make it to the NCAA tournament and maybe win a round. I think this this team, without Michael Porter Jr., can still do that pretty comfortably. Uh, Tillman has looked fantastic. He's starting to play long stretches without taking too many fouls. I think his fouls for 40 minutes is now seven per game, which obviously that's not great because uh, still fouling out. But it's a lot better than it was in the low teens, I think, earlier in the year. Uh, Jonte Porter has shown the ability to kind of dominate, uh, even coming off the bench. Jordan Barnett's had a very good year. Jordan Geis broke 28 against Green Bay, which, uh, shout out to Jordan Geis. Was surprising uh, nothing. Was, to was, see the late, yeah, to say the least. That's not the Jordan Geis you were expecting to get. Uh, Perrier's had a couple good games. The, the nice thing about this team is that there's so much depth that even without a dominant scorer like you were expecting with Michael Porter Jr., there's a guy every night who has the ability to do it. Uh, whether that's Geist or Purry or Barnett or whomever, there's there's enough depth and enough talent to go around that you can expect someone to step up. Uh, and a little bit of disappointing news, CJ Roberts is transferring, not surprising, uh, because he was getting redshirted, and there's just, like we said, a bunch of talent, especially at guard. Uh, he was behind Blake Harris comfortably. Um, behind Blake Harris comfortably, and, and you're bringing in a very good guard talent. It's kind of a 2-3, but uh, in Torrance Watson. So I think C.J. Roberts kind of more or less saw the writing on the wall that um, his playing time, especially in the near future, was going to be a bit hard to come by. Um, so best of luck to him wherever he decides to go. Um, you know, he was originally a Kim Anderson recruit, uh, that Conzo decided that he wanted to keep on. And, um, you know, it, it ended up being that Conzo was able to bring in a bunch of guys that were more talented and more ready to roll than, than he was. So I'm sure he'll find greener pastures, um, and, and playing time, which is, I'm sure really what's at the heart of all of this. Yeah, I, I think his dad came out saying that he still loves the school and the, the guys here. It's just he wants to play, which you can't really blame an athlete for wanting to play. Uh, and, so, And maybe he'll transfer to a school that plays Missouri so he can he can come back and try and uh, give a little shtick to his old team. Yeah, I still think that C.J. Roberts has a bright future. Uh, I'm still sold on his talent. Uh, I think kind of the prognosis on him to begin with was that it was going to take a while for him to develop. I think it's nice that he gets to have a redshirt year where he still is practicing with Mizzou, but not playing, and he still retains his eligibility. So he still has that, uh, which is, which is, I mean, that's, I have a feeling Conzo knew that there was a good chance CJ was going to be transferring once he gave him the redshirt, and it's nice to make sure that he retains his eligibility. Um, so uh, good luck to him wherever he ends up. I think he still has a power five or a top five uh, conference player. Uh, and I think he could transfer one of those teams. I don't know if he will. Um, but I think he has that, that talent at least still. So good luck to him wherever he ends up. Um, I, instead of trying to segue, I'm just going to say, do you want to talk a little bit about football before we wrap? All right, I'll segue this really well. Speaking of guys who are leaving Mizzou to go to potentially non-Power 5 schools, Josh Heupel left Mizzou to become the head coach at UCF, as did Dave Ellerby, I believe the offensive line coach to become at least the offensive line coach at UCF and potentially the offensive coordinator there? Um, I don't know that he's potentially going to be the offensive coordinator. It seemed like there was a little, uh, a little, um, 
word I'm looking for, um, a little ill will when he left, um, which could be for any number of reasons. He could have gotten, um, he could have felt overlooked for the Mizzou offensive coordinator job. Maybe um, Barry told him that he wasn't going to be in the running. Maybe he just doesn't like working with Barry Odom. Maybe he got a really big pay raise when he left for UCF. Um, maybe he just likes Josh Heupel that much. Maybe he um, wanted to go coach for a team that was undefeated last year and has the potential for a BCS Bowl or um, maybe even beyond that if they um, have a good enough non-conference schedule. Who the hell knows? Um, if you don't want to be here, good riddance. Uh, we're looking to the future. Um, and congrats to Josh Heupel for landing one of the if not the marquee non-Power 5 job in the country. I mean, I would say it's the marquee one that's available this year. I think there are better ones available at times. I think... I mean, but non... I mean, what what could be better for a non-Power 5 conference team than going to a team whose basically entire roster is staying who were undefeated last year? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's fine. I mean, I think this, this situation is probably the best. I think there are better non-Power 5 schools... Uh, out there in terms of jobs you'd rather have. I think, say, like a Memphis is another type of school where that, that has a bit more prestige historically, or a Boise State. Um, but well, we all know you have a boner for Boise State. I mean, yeah, they play on a blue field. That's awesome. But Or San Diego State. Um, you know, there's, there's some other good schools out there. But UCF this year, I mean, two years ago they were 2-11, I think. or No, no, two years ago they were 0-13. I don't know. They, they had UCF a terrible... Two, Two years, oh and twelve. They didn't get oh, a bowl 12. game. There you go. There you go. Oh and twelve. So I mean, two years ago they were a defeated team. Now they're undefeated. So I mean, that job is as a solid job. I don't want to knock it at all, um, but I don't want to say it's like the best power five, non-power five job out there. Period. This year it definitely is, especially in terms of availability. But they also were undefeated, like Spencer said, and a lot of their roster is coming back. Um, anyways, to segue this back, to look back at Mizzou. Uh, the big questions now is what does this mean for Drew Locke? Um, and a bit of a surprise, Harry Becker Jr. came out saying that he was going to return. Uh, I mean, can't I mean? I I thought he was going to leave because of his injury issues. If he wants to come back and wreak havoc and and up his stock by maybe a couple rounds, we will take you all day, every day. Come on back, Terry Becker. Yeah, I, I, uh, Drew Locke, you too. I, I don't know if this is the smartest move for Terry Beckner Jr., but God damn it, I love it. I mean, if if he feels like it's in his best interest, then, I mean, who can fault the guy? Apparently, he made this his mind up in November that this that he sometime early in November that he was going to do this, and um, maybe he feels that he can be a first round pick in this draft. He probably wouldn't be a, he would probably be a late day two, early day three pick just because of the injury concerns. Um, and I mean, that's the difference between uh, a $600,000 contract and a $3 million a year contract, which is a, a very large difference, um, especially in, in a sport like football where um, any play can be your last. So, you know, if, if you go out there as a rookie and you screw it, then, um, then you're out. Yeah. I mean, two, two and a half million dollars a year. So, I mean, if. Please, Terry, come wreak havoc. Keep your knees healthy, and and we'll send yeah. you off as another uh, card-carrying member of D-Line Zoo. But, yeah, so with regards to Drew Locke, you're hoping he comes back 
he's he has said that the Heupel departure hasn't changed the game that much in terms of his decision making. The Mazad cast or whatever they're called has said that they have inside sources saying he's coming back. I don't know if I believe that. What is the Mazad? It's cast? the Mazoo podcast. It's one of the, like the the number one Mazoo sports podcast. I don't know. I saw it on Twitter and I was like, eh skeptical about that. I mean, obviously, I'd be happy for Drew Luck to come back. I, I'm curious to see where he ends up in terms of draft rankings, especially after... I think I think the bowl game is going to be interesting for him, how he looks against Texas. Um, but, you know, he's a guy who has everything you want in an NFL quarterback, and, you know, it's if, John, if Sam Darnold goes back to USC, which he's been rumored to do, the, the quarterback field is is it's you have josh rosen lamar jackson baker mayfield and josh allen josh allen but is drew lock really that much worse than josh allen i don't know i i mean it's i, I i'm no expert scout i think drew lock could go in the top two rounds it wouldn't surprise me i mean quarterbacks always end up getting taken earlier than they probably should based on their talent um there's definitely situations that he could get drafted into that would be good for him um, you know, if he could back up a, if he could Jimmy G and back up a quarterback that's Just established, the Patriots. Like he could back up a quarterback for a little while that he can learn from, and that would be a great situation for him. And it would be but, a great situation for him, Green Bay. Um, I don't think so. I think Aaron Rodgers is hard to work with. I think that would. I think based on what I understand, Aaron is is. We're on a first name basis, obviously. Um, he's he's tough on his backups, and if if that logic holds, then Brett Hundley would actually be good. But he's actually not good. Very brilliant. Yeah, he's actually. I, I don't think Brett, I don't think Brett Hundley has as much talent as Drew Locke. Number one, number two, Brett Hundley's Green Bay's been winning despite their awful quarterback play. Uh, you know, he hasn't been that bad. His first couple games were pretty terrible, but he's, he improved after that. I mean, regardless. Getting so, back to the heart of the matter, I would love to see him come back. I think there, we can do a lot of special things as a program if he comes back. Um, maybe an SEC... Maybe competing for an SEC championship is in the cards. I think Georgia... If I had to make a prediction now, I think Georgia would still take it regardless of who comes back and and who enters in your draft or in your recruiting class. But um, I mean, Mizzou come Mizzou with with Locke coming back. I could, I mean, I don't know the the non conference schedule off the top of my head, or really the conference schedule for that matter in terms of home away uh, who we play out of the West. But um, oh, we play Alabama this year. Yeah, I know we play Alabama this at year. Alabama. Uh, wonderful. So that's probably the loss. Um, so that'll be fun, but. And then Georgia is going to be a tough game, but it's at Mizzou this time, right? It is at Mizzou. I don't, I don't know. But, but, but I think that what, what, I'm, what I'm trying to get to is that Mizzou's offense has basically everyone coming back except Jamon Moore. Uh, their offensive line, for the most part, is coming back. You'd have their quarterback back. You have your you have two very good running backs with Crockett and uh, and Roundtree coming back. You still have some very good receivers coming back. Emmanuel Hall, for example, who kind of became a top guy. After uh, uh, not to mention Albert Okwebunam, uh, the the second team All SEC freshman, um, who's going to be an absolute monster next year when he actually gets a full season I mean, of playing time. He's a guy who has NFL potential easily, um, and has, I think he has the potential to be the best 
tight end that's played at Mizzou in terms of the Mizzou career. So Kellen Winslow is kind of the gold standard in terms of NFL career. Obviously, he's a Hall of Famer. But his Mizzou career wasn't phenomenal. And then you have guys like uh, Martin Rucker and Chase Kaufman who, who I mean, they, they're legends in their own right in the Chase Daniel era. Well, but Drew Locke is a quarterback who is outperforming Chase Daniel right now in terms of touchdowns thrown and stuff like that. Well, that's, that's the last piece of this puzzle is if Drew Locke comes back, he's would probably and has a successful season, which is an important piece of this puzzle. But if he comes back and gets Mizzou ranked um, and starts breaking all kinds of records like he did this year, he'll probably go down as the best quarterback in Mizzou history. Um, I think he's top three now. He's he's anywhere from it's pretty much Brad Smith, Chase Daniel, him, and Blaine Gabbert's in the mix. He was a top five pick. Um, I think we gotta give some credit to James Franklin. Um, James Franklin, in terms of um, in terms of success, uh, winning things, yeah. James Franklin took us to uh, took us to back to back back to back East Championships, uh, uh, or not East East Championships, SEC Championship games. Um, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it, it's gonna be an interesting team if everyone comes back from Brazil. Got to wait and see who replaces Hypo as offensive coordinator. I think actually it's going to be Joe John Finley, the tight ends coach, kind of the the the, the biggest internal option. Um, if we're looking externally, I wouldn't mind like a Graham Harrell, who is down at North Texas right now. Uh, he used to be a quarterback at Texas Tech. He's one of the two or three guys, I think three guys, who's had more. Uh, who's had thrown more touchdowns in a single season than uh, Drew Locke, and he's done it twice, so he can he knows quarterbacks. Um, he's he has, he's raised on a similar offense, the Mike Leach kind of air raid offense that Josh Heupel was, so he, he kind of would be a fit stylistically, um, and he's kind of a young upcoming name that I think Mizzou could pounce on. Uh, I think the big thing is that I trust Odom in terms of his hirings. Um, Losing Heupel sucks in terms of recruiting. Uh, Foster, James Foster, who is a Mizzou, now decommit, was someone who talked about how much Heupel was important to him and then uh, as a quarterback. And then Martinez was another guy. Adrian Martinez, I want to say. Adrian Martinez. He just committed, it was either today or yesterday, um, to Nebraska. Yeah, um, but he was so the guy that Mizzou was trying to bring in. Uh, and he had made an official, he had scheduled an official visit and then unscheduled it once Heupel left so oh well yeah he was committed to Tennessee before and decommitted and now he's recommitted and now it sounds like he's committed to Nebraska instead yeah uh Cameron Babb committed to Ohio State as well I don't know if you saw that uh yeah that's not surprising he's a wide receiver from CBC but there's still a good chance for Mizzou to have a very good recruiting class uh especially coming out I think if they get a bull win too an eight and five team that had the, the the back half of a year that Mizzou had with with um, especially if Locke and and Beckner Jr. come back and kind of sell it on a, as a program on the rise, it's going to look to be very good next year. And you can have, you can build a good recruiting class out of that. And I mean, you you can still have a successful season with Mizzou, um, even if Drew Locke leaves. You can, I would assume that Mizzou would go the grad transfer route at quarterback. Um, it doesn't feel like the quarterback they have on the roster, any other quarterback other than Locke that they have on the roster right now, um, is really a guy that they view as a successor to the position. Um, 
So we'll see. Uh, do, do we want to wrap it up? Yeah, let's let's wrap it up. So All I guess right. I can I can do the wrap up because so I was in the first chair. Wait, Mel, do you want to give any shout outs? Uh, do I want to give any shout outs? The more I learn about podcasting, the more I, I learn that people give shout outs. Yeah. Uh, just want to say shout out to my mom. I know you'll never hear this, but uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, one other thing. Uh, our group of friends did do a Mizzou a bunch of different drafts in terms of uh, Mizzou basketball, both this year and SEC, and uh, we also the Cardinals. Uh, thanks to the Dive Cuts podcast for mentioning us, because uh, we tweeted at uh, Sam Snelling about our teams and had him talk about it. So, shouts to Sam Snelling and, and Matt Harris for featuring us on their podcast uh, after we played a stupid game with our friends. Which uh, I sucked at. Um, yeah, well, don't take Keith's hamburger in the third round. You know, I was just hungry, and the word burger was in there, and things happen. Uh, actually, I, I misread the draft. I have a long story about that, but what, it is what it is. Anyways. Uh, Can you tell me something? <laughs> well, it's, you're just mad that your Blues team sucked. Any, anyways, anyways, uh, follow us on at Arch Sports on Twitter, Arch Sports on Facebook. Follow me at jtomachek94. That's T-H-O-M-E-C-Z-E-K. I want to get an easier Twitter handle. Yeah, I know. I probably should. Uh, and then follow Spencer at Spencer Hilton. Uh, at Spencer underscore Hilton. That's important. Uh, don't forget that underscore. Uh, and so, yeah, that's that's our episode. Uh, we'll try to record a little more uh, consistently in the upcoming weeks and bring in some other guys and uh, maybe do a live Mizzou draft or something along those lines or I don't know what exactly, but do something fun. So, and uh, shouts to Malaku for being on the podcast. Yeah, uh, yeah. look for his look for his future bachelor podcast. Um, <laughs> he wants to make it, and we are trying to convince him. We're also trying to convince him to be on the Bachelorette. So, do you have a do you have a name for the podcast yet? No, I'm brainstorming it with uh, my partner. So, if you have any ideas for names of a bachelor podcast, and if you have any connections to get Malaku on the Bachelorette, no, you don't. Have let to us do know. Uh, right. So, why do you want to be on the Bachelorette? Uh, to find love. All right, there we go. Thank you, guys. I want to play my cat ghost podcast. What the fuck is a 